I'm sure I'm not the only one that sometimes prays, oh Lord, give me a sign. And uh, sometimes when he does give me a sign, it's too subtle that I miss it, or it's so non-subtle that, that it hurts. And today in, in this first reading, we have, of course, uh, Belshazzar, who's given a major sign, and I love the description. Did you, did you, I, I think you caught it too, is how, his, how his knees uh, shook and his, his hips buckled and, and he grew as white as, and, and well, I, I find myself, what, what I have done in that situation, why I know what I would do now, the first thing I would do is look for the projector or look for the drone or look for uh, how is this done or whatever, we, because we have so much technology that we might explain it away. But uh, he doesn't have that option of explaining it away. He, this is abnormal. When this wrist and hand appears and starts writing in a foreign language, a language he does not understand, and what's it all mean? Well, he should have known. To be honest, he should have known. He, after all, he's desecrated the, the vessels of the temple. And while he would not have uh, had any respect at all for the Jewish faith, uh, because he was not Jewish, he should have had at least respect for, because his father didn't desecrate the vessels like he did. His father put them in, in the treasury, in the storage, and didn't use them. Uh, just to kind of take a step back, the vessels they're talking about would, be, would have been as sacred to, uh, to the Jewish people as our chalice is to us. Can you imagine using a chalice for such a less than noble purpose than getting drunk at a party? Throwing a party, and not only that, but then, then praising the gods of, of gold and silver, bronze and iron, wood and stone. I found myself reflecting a little bit about, isn't that interesting, the same four metals that we heard yesterday with the, uh, the, the Nebuchadnezzar's dream of the statue, and of course the, the fifth, uh, the, the feet being made of iron and tile. And the ceramics were used to make gods too in the, in, in the cultures around, uh, but they weren't as good because they were ma- definitely man-made. But here they are, they're praising all these false gods, they're making a mockery of, of these vessels, these sacred vessels, desecrating them to the point that the Jewish people wouldn't have been able to use them again. And they would have had to melt them down and re- recast them in order to be able to use them again. And so we, when he sees his hand, he is terrified because he knows it must have something to do with him, I think, in the back of his mind, even though he doesn't fully understand. It must, he, he, he must be terrified that something's going to come and strike me dead. And he calls, of course, for Daniel, and Daniel gets it. He, he, reads, this, he reads the sign. Uh, by the way, this is where the term, the writing is on the wall, comes from. That Daniel could see the writing on the wall. Well, they all could see it, but Daniel alone could understand it. And it tells his king, because you've done this, your days are numbered. Your, your kingdom has been found wanting, and it's going to be divided. This would have come as even more terrible to him, more terrifying to him, the king. He was given this great sign, and he missed the meaning of it until it was explained. And as I reflect, and I'm going to be preaching a little bit on today's, uh, today at the ecumenical prayer service on the song of the three, uh, three men in the fire, the three holy men of Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael, uh, and uh, I'm glad we cut it off here because the next line is uh, ice and snow, bless the Lord. No, no. Bless the Lord if you want to, but somewhere way far away from me. 
But how, how the, throughout the whole book of Daniel, of course, it's, it's a kind of a parallel, of course, with uh, maybe the book of Revelation, but reminding us how God takes care of those who are faithful. Nebuchadnezzar at least treated the, the articles with respect, but Belshazzar, no, there's no respect there. And God holds them accountable. But Daniel and Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael, Time and again, how God protected Daniel in the lion's den. We all know that story. We might be a little bit more, uh, we're more familiar with that than perhaps the, the three men in the furnace. But how God, time and again, shows his faithfulness that they did not have to be afraid. And perhaps that's uh, a living lesson of today's gospel passage. Yes, they were way before Jesus, but how they were not afraid to speak the word of truth that they had been given. They were not afraid to praise the Lord because they knew God was with them. And consider the fact that as they were walking around in the fire, Nebuchadnezzar looks in and says, Ah, we tossed three in, I see four, and one looks like the Son of God. How God was with them in the midst of that fire. How God was with Daniel in the midst of the lion's den. How God is continually with his people who turn to him. So Jesus prophesying that we will be turned over, persecuted for our faith. Uh, some of us not literally, thank God, uh, not ourselves directly, thank God. But it continues even to this day. I can't think of his name now, it just jumped out of my head. But a uh, uh, writer for the National Catholic uh, Register, I believe, and reminds us that more Christians are being persecuted now than ever before per year. Not only because there's more humans, perhaps, but there's more violence. But we don't have to be afraid that God is with us, and God's going to give us the word we need to speak when we need to speak it. And wisdom in the end, we know this. Wisdom in the end proves itself.